today we're, we're going to dive into part eight of Worship Unmasked. And we're going to be talking today about the key of song. And uh, I, I've, I've been diving into some scriptures. I, I, trust me, these scriptures are there. The addresses are there. there. There's a lot of verses there. And I'm going to read a lengthy passage here, but it's, a, it's not a passage I think that I've ever actually read here at Lighthouse in, in all these years. But the Lord's taken us into a new place, and he's taken us, I believe, into a new level where he wants to release the sound of heaven in this house. And in order for us to do that, uh, we've got we've to move over and understand the key of song. And so we're going to be talking about the key of song today. Some of you that are, uh, that are natural musicians, you just got a leg up on everybody else. Oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Some of you that are like me, that uh, you, can, you can push the play button on, on the, the iPod. You know, you're like, yeah, okay, no. Key of song? I don't know. Okay. I'm not gifted at that. And, uh, and so anyway, but I want you to understand the arsenal that God has given to each one of us. Um, the weapons of our warfare, the Bible says, are not fleshly. They're not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And so one of the things that happens uh, as a pastor is I recognize I'm called to equip you. I'm called to, to help you move things forward. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that you'll, you'll not just take this in. How many of you, let me ask a question, Lighthouse Poll. How many of you have ever had like a music lesson in life? Somewhere along the line, maybe when you're a little, okay, put your hands down. How many of you maybe, maybe you're into sports and maybe you, you went to a, a, a practice and you were taught how to swing or how to dribble or how to do something like that. You're taught a new skill. All right, and then the coach or the instructor said, now go home and practice this 15 minutes a day or an hour a day or something like that. You remember hearing something like that. And some of you just did. I mean, you went home and you did it an hour a day. They said, do it 15 minutes. You did it an hour. You got up in the middle of the night and you, and you practiced and you worked hard at that skill and you drilled it and you drilled it and you drilled it and you came back and your teacher was so amazed. No, you didn't do it that way. You probably, they said, did you practice? This is, this is like my dental hygienist. Did you floss? I'm like, you're looking at them. You tell me. Because ain't no lying. You know? And uh, so, okay. But let me just tell you. What if I told you that your life would be better with a song? What if I told you that the, the challenges that you're facing probably could be overcome more simply if you used the key of song? Little keys unlock big doors. Amen. And in the kingdom of God, song is a key that we find all the way back in creation. I, I want you to look uh, at this passage in Job chapter 38. This is a conversation that God is having with Job where, where you know, God has been listening to Job and listening to his counselors and all this kind of stuff. And this is the moment where things shift and God starts to set him straight. Okay, so uh, verse four, uh, where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if you understand. Were you there? In other words, were you there at creation, Job? Um, who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched out a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? Notice this verse 7. While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted 
for joy. God gives Job and us, by, by revelation of the scriptures, uh, an insight into what took place before the world began. And God is instructing Job, and he's saying, think about the cornerstones, Job. Think about all the dimensions of the universe. Were you there? No, you weren't there, but I was there. And let me tell you something else, Job. There was song. There was song at creation while the morning stars sang together. This is Pastor Ken's interpretation. God got himself into his, uh, into his cosmic laboratory, into his cosmic art, art studio. And he looked over to the angels and he said, a little music to create by, please. And the angels began to sing, and God began to create. And as he put it all together, there, there was song at creation. That's literally what this text says. Now, the first, uh, now that Job is a very, very old book. When we look chronologically, Job uh, would have been a contemporary probably of Abraham. And so the, the book of Job was written around the time of Abraham. It, you know, if, if you and I get a hold of an understanding of the chronology of how things work, but the first actual written song that we find from a man writing a song down is very important. In fact, this song is so important. You need to know this song because you and I are going to be singing it in the last days. You want to, you want to know what's being sung at the book of Revelation? Here's the song. But the first time it was ever sung was actually, was actually in the book of Exodus, actually when God brought the children of Israel out through the Red Sea and on the other side of the Red Sea, they turned around, they looked, and they saw the Egyptian army laying on the beach that was all completely wiped out by the hand of God. And this is the song that was sung. Now I'm going to read it. It's lengthy. I got it. Stay with me, okay? Um, then Moses and the Israelites sang the song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood firm like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue. I will overtake them. I will divide the spoils. I will gorge myself on them. I will draw my sword and my hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? You stretched out your right hand and the earth swallowed him. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people uh, lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. 
The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia. The chiefs of Edom will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling. The people of Canaan will melt away. Terror and dread will fall upon them. By the power of your arm, they will be as still as a stone until your people pass by. O Lord, until the uh, people you bought pass by. You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance. The place, O Lord, you made for your dwelling. The sanctuary, O Lord, your hands established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. When Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought uh, the waters of the sea back over them. But the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. And then Miriam the prophetess, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women followed her with tambourines and dancing. Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. Isn't that powerful? Now, the reason I want to share that with you, it's a lengthy passage, I get it, but I want you to understand why that song is so significant in history. That song is significant because it set up the pattern for everything that you and I will experience from now into eternity. God is the God who is both the beginning and the end. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He's the one who initiates and he is the one who completes. He's the author and he's the perfecter of your faith and my faith. Everything that we have from him is available to us by his grace, not by our works, but by his grace. We just put our trust in him. We put our faith in him. Now, now notice, here's a pattern. Why is that passage of scripture so important? Well, because before the Red Sea, there was no Israel. There were slaves to Egypt. They were Egyptian slaves. That was their identity. Now, they were descendants of Abraham. They were descendants, and they would have been Israelites by name, by separation. But they had to live under the bondage of Egypt. When they came through the Red Sea, the, the people, the, the slave mentality, the slavery died. When they went through the Red Sea, Israel was literally baptized. Are you following me? How did they get there? Well, they applied the blood. They applied the blood and they ate of the lamb and they went through the Red Sea. And when they got on the other side of the Red Sea, then the waters closed up in every bondage, every slave owner, uh, all of those officers of Pharaoh's army drowned in the, in the sea. Do you get the picture? Do you see that Israel was baptized in the same fashion as it were that you and I have been baptized? Do you see that you, you, you went into the waters of baptism a slave? You came out of the waters of baptism a free person. The song of Moses is also your song. Because you could say, you know what? Addiction once had me. Addiction and, and, and depression used to be part of my life. But thank God he's a warrior. Thank God he's my deliverer. Thank God that when I, when I stepped into the blood, when I stepped into the water, when I obeyed the word of the Lord, I came out on the other side and I've been delivered. Amen. How many of you, that's your story? 
you have been delivered. God is your deliverer. And, and so here's the song of Moses that has so, so much richness in there uh, of uh, all the different names of God, all the different activities of God. And, and Moses makes sure that in this song that he doesn't boast at all. You don't hear about Bo Moses being a man of faith, stretching the rod of God over top of uh, the Red Sea. He doesn't talk about how great the Israelites are, what great cooks they are, all the good things that they had going for them. He doesn't have any of those traits. That's right. He gives all the glory to the Lord, the song of Moses. Now look here in the book of Revelation. It says, I saw in heaven, this is, this is uh, the end, uh, or nearing the end of the book of Revelation. There's a lot, there are several more chapters, but this is a significant part. I saw in heaven another great and marvelous sign, seven angels with seven last, last plagues, last, because with them God's wrath is completed. God poured out his, his wrath in the book of Exodus. He poured out his wrath on Egypt to deliver the people of God. All the plagues were God pouring out his wrath on their idols. And when, the, and when the Egyptians wouldn't let them go, his wrath came upon them at the Red Sea. And so I, I saw what looked like a sea of glass mixed with fire standing beside the sea. And those who had been victorious over the beast and his image and over the number of his name, they held harps given them by God and they sang the song of who? Moses. They sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the ages. Who will not fear you, O Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Here's the, here's the, mo the movement I want you to trace with me for a minute. At creation, there is song. When God wanted to bring his people forth and redeem them and deliver them, there was song. When God brings the fulfillment of all of his history, everything that God is doing, when he wraps it all up in the book of Revelation, God reminds us of the song of Moses. When, uh, when we began to follow that pattern, God says, I've identified and I've purchased a people, I've redeemed a people, and now they're gonna, we're going to bring that song, we're going to wrap the song of Moses into the song of the Lamb, and there's a celebration at the end times, all of it with song. What happens between the book of, uh, you know, the book of Job written back around, uh, even maybe even before the book of Genesis, what happens when this, this reminder of the song that happened at creation and the song of revelation takes place? What happens in between? The church can never lose its song. The church has to sing. Why? Because it's the key. It's part of the key of the kingdom. The sound of heaven that resounds within the hearts and minds of the people who are redeemed. Um, we constantly have to uh, iterate that song. There needs to be new songs written. There needs to be uh, new, uh, new lyrics and new melodies that are, that are coming. The sound of heaven uh, for this moment in time, for this season in life. Um, so in your notes, number one, song is a key to creativity. The angels sang together at creation, and humans work and create with music in and around, uh, in and around them every day. How many of you, uh, you're in a situation where you can have music on while you work? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's like, 
there, you know, whatever I'm doing, there's got to be a, some kind of playlist that goes along with it. You know, this is my workout playlist. This is my writing playlist. This is my whatever. whatever. I have a, uh, my, my doctoral project that I, I did a number of years ago. Um, I, I had one album that was on the whole time. It was a jazz album by Miles Davis called Kind of Blue. And, uh, and I listened to that thing uh, all the way through my doctoral project. I just, it was in the background. And, and sometimes I'd reach a, a spot and I just couldn't get going. And I would just listen to Miles and his, his crew play their, play their music. And pretty soon ideas would begin to flow. And, and so song is a key to creativity. And a lot of the times that you and I encounter challenges in our world um, and we say, what's the solution? Where's the answer? If you would just take a song break, if you would just take a praise break, if you would just let your mind follow through on the truth that's in the word of God, and you begin to sing a song to the Lord, you will watch things begin to break up. How many of you have ever been in a funk, just an emotional funk? How many of you have ever found yourself, you know, we're in the pandemic. Everybody, the whole earth is in an emotional funk right now. All of you should have raised your hands and your feet too. I mean, you know, but but how, do you, how, how can you find relief from that? Let me tell you, if you'll just begin to worship the Lord, song and creativity will begin to flood forth. You'll have an idea. You'll have a solution. Uh, there'll, there'll be something that will present itself in that moment. And it's an amazing thing. Secondly, song is a key to unity. Song is a key to unity. Uh, one, of my, one of my heroes in ministry is Pastor Jack Hayford. He's in his 80s. And uh, I, I've, read, I've read every book that he's ever written. Um, I've listened to a lot of his music. Uh, his encyclopedia of worship uh, is, a, is a mainstay here at Lighthouse. It, we we uh, picked it up back in the, uh, back in the 90s. Uh, um, and that, that encyclopedia of worship is something that all of our worship team uh, sooner or later are exposed to. Uh, the, the worship uh, renewal that God gave us back in the 80s uh, was founded predominantly with, that, uh, with uh, Hayford's teaching in the encyclopedia of worship. Um, one, of, one of the songs uh, that, uh, that he did um, is very familiar to Majesty, worship his majesty. Come on, sing it with me. Unto Jesus be all glory, honor, and praise. Majesty, kingdom authority flows from his throne unto his own. His anthem raised. It, one of the interesting things about that song is there is no personal pronoun in that song anywhere. Yeah. It's all for God. Yeah. Amen. Not what I will give you, God. Not how I feel about you, God. Just God. You know, so the reality of, of what happens when we sing together uh, a song where, where, where you know, we... we You've heard the phrase, playing off the same sheet of music, singing off the same sheet of music. Well, we're not singing off the same sheet of music. What does that mean? Well, we've got division a little bit. You know, we're, we're, not, we're not aligned. We're not in unity. We're not in unison. We're not moving together as one. And so just think about it. Um, you can't get anything done when there's division, right? A house divided against itself can't stand. Song allows us when we are singing that same hymn or that same song, it allows us a moment of time where we are completely aligned. Everybody's saying the same thing. 
Now, I'm thankful that Lighthouse has made it through pretty much unscathed from the worship wars that seem to plague a lot of evangelical churches. And part of the reason for that is we always kept the main thing the main thing. But we also understand that, that different, there are different seasons in, in the, the church world where different sounds and different music was important. For instance, many of the hymns were written in days before people could actually read. They, they couldn't read the text, and so the songs were where theology and doctrine came from. Right, and and so they were a doctrinal treatise on on the Godhead. You know, uh, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. And so songs that were uh, that were written oftentimes had their place in the the liturgy of the church because uh, the people wouldn't go out and study theology. But if we could put theology to 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 song, we could teach theology to people that might not be able to have access to theology any other way. And, and so, uh, you know, so hymns and worship songs and, and psalms, spiritual songs, songs that are sung, maybe uh, scripture when I was uh, doing the song of Moses, how many of you had the, I will sing unto the Lord for he is triumphed gloriously, the horse and rider thrown into the sea, the Lord my God, my strength, my song has now become my victory. That's, you know, we, we used to sing that around here all the time, all the time. And some of y'all just say, well, phew, right over my head. Yeah, that's okay. You know, there are different seasons for, for different music. And, and I'm just thankful. I'm thankful. You know, a lot of the energy that came into uh, the service this morning is, is, uh, was, was brought to us by The Verge from Wednesday night. Because God is reviving and he's renewing our young people. And that energy that they'll every Wednesday night, find your square. That's what, you know, the, the floor has squares, right? You, you probably noticed that. Find your square, reach out. We're going we're gonna to practice a little social distancing. And now you're going to worship in your square. Find your square and worship God. And that's what they did. And that's what they're doing. And, you know, God is reviving his people. You know, can I tell you, revival is always carried on the shoulders of people without a mortgage. It is flat true. You don't believe me, but historically, revival always comes among the young people. Amen. You know, it, it, the, the, the next generation sets them up to win, but revival is going to happen. Why? Because new wine chases new wineskins. And our way of doing it is not going to be the way. And that's, and that's why we just need to be sensitive. Because let me tell you, you know, just because it didn't come through, just because God didn't ask you for permission if he could revive the next generation, don't get in the way. Don't get in the way, right? It ain't going to be your way. It's going to be his way through their expression. It's just the way it is. It's just the way, he, you know, you study history. That's the way it works. So I want to be, I want to be the old geezer somewhere along the line, you know, you know, uh, when, when the, when the 15 year olds are coming up and they're, and they're excited about the things of God. And I want to be the one that maybe I can't jump. Maybe I can't dance like I used to, but I'm standing there saying, go ahead. I'd do that if I could. Inside, I'm dancing. Outside, I'm not. But keep going. You're dancing for me. Right? We got to be those people. We got to be those. That wasn't in my notes anywhere. Song is a key to unity. We can sing with one voice. Let me tell you, if in 30 minutes, if we could sing off the same sheet of music for 30 minutes, then that means it's possible maybe to be in unity for 45 minutes. 
And if we could get in unity for 45 minutes, maybe we could be in unity for, a, for an hour, maybe two hours, maybe half a day. What about it? And if the church would get in unity, right? If the church could find out what it meant to be in unity, if we could have unity in the house of God, maybe we could have some houses of unity. Maybe there could be unity in your living room. Maybe there could be unity in your dining room. Maybe in your kitchen there could be some unity. You know, song breaks free the opportunity for us to move. Use the key of song. Uh, in your notes, let's keep going. Uh, song is a key to challenge darkness and declaring truth. Song or praise, pray. When we begin to lift up a song, that song is the, is the weapon. Um, everybody here, you understand that your gun is no good without the bullets, right? Uh, what good is that weapon if it doesn't have an armament inside of it? It's got to have something. And so what happens when we praise, and we learned this here at Lighthouse many years ago from the writings of Terry Law. He talked about how that praise was like a, was like a, 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 you know, like a, a missile that was sent up into the heavenlies. And he said there are three warheads, and I, and I concur with this, and I believe the Word of God proves it out. There are three, three warheads that need to be on every bit of praise that you and I get involved with. Uh, the, those three warheads are the word, the blood, and the name. Amen. The word, the blood, and the name. Right. The word, the blood, and the name. You say it can't be that simple. It's that simple. Yeah. There's nothing higher. There's nothing higher than the name of Jesus. There's no other name under, under heaven by which we can be saved. The blood of Jesus has secured the reality that you have access to the throne of God. If you need help, the blood has already been applied. And you can have boldness to approach the throne of grace through that confidence all comes because of his shed blood. We celebrated it today around the Lord's table. And when you and I begin to lift up a song and we begin to put those warheads on there, man, things move around. Things shift because the name, the, name, the word, and the blood. The name. So sometimes as we're uh, prepping music for uh, Sunday morning, that's, that's one of the filters that I put it through. Does anywhere. I mean, a lot of times we can sing good mute songs, songs that have a nice melody, but they don't have the name. And so you don't really know if you're singing to your spouse or you're singing to Jesus, right? There are some songs that make a nice little romantic melody, you know, but we got to put the name of Jesus in there somewhere. There's a, it's got to be the name, the word, or the blood, or you just, you just had a good time, but nothing happens supernaturally. You see, God's called us to be a people that, that elevate the name, the word, and the blood. Right. And, and so oftentimes I think what we do is we don't recognize that, uh, well, I did sing a song. OK, but did it did it shake? Did it shake anything? Did it break? Did it bring breakthrough? Right. And uh, so you and I, a lot of times we're struggling with uh, with the spiritual maladies, whether it's in our home or in the workplace or whatever it is. What would happen if you just went in there with the little tune? Mm -hmm. There is power, power, wonder working power. In the blood of the Lamb, there is power, power, wonder-working power. In the precious blood of the Lamb, there is power, power, wonder-working power. In the blood of the Lamb, there is power, power, wonder-working power. In the precious blood of the Lamb. You know, what, what happens is things begin to, you're, you're penetrating the darkness. You're saying, you know, I'm, I'm feeling oppressed. I'm feeling pushed down. Well, do something about it. Yeah. 
Honey, do something. Sing a song. Lift it up to the Lord. Change the atmosphere. Put the warhead at the, at the tip of your song and launch it out there. And watch what God does. Watch what God does. Three of you are having a good time with this message. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. So song pro propels the sound of God's truth and deliverance from heaven through our hearts and back into the heavenly realms. Here, you know, I'm, I'm in the, it, 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 uh, any of y'all here that haven't uh, taken Miss uh, Natalie Clark up on her voice lessons, here's a shameless plug for Natalie Clark. Uh, a handful of us are doing voice lessons with her. And, uh, and so you got to learn about the diaphragm, right? You got to learn about the, uh, about the vocal cords. But I want you, I want to, I want to spiritualize something I, I picked up this past week. It's just really powerful. When God created man, what did he do to bring him to life? You ready? He breathed. He took his life from within his own being and he breathed into the nostrils of Adam and he became what? A living being. The Bible also says that let everything that has breath, breath do what? Praise the, Praise the Lord. In other words, there needs to be a certain amount of your breath that is reserved for nothing else but the praise of the living God. That's right. Why? Because you are returning back to him uh, interest on the investment that he has made in your life. You, without your breath, you are not alive. But with your breath, you're saying, you know what? I'm going to take that which, which brings me to life, and I'm going to bring it back to God. I'm going to honor him with this, this breath, this breath of life that I have. You know, in our world, a lot of times they say, well, you know, you, we're going to make a blood covenant. So you prick your finger and, you, you know, pinky swear, whatever you're going to do. And, and it's all about, oh, blood, blood, blood. Well, that's, that's, all, that's all in our world. Uh, blood has to do with death. But the, the word says that in the blood there's life. That's right. Right? When you and I bring a sacrifice of praise, literally what we're saying is, God, you're the one that gave me the breath in these lungs in the first place. I owe it all to you. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take in that, I'm going to take in a breath. Everybody breathe with me. Go ahead. Take in a breath. And I'm going to turn it back to praise. Hallelujah. Go ahead. Hallelujah. You, what you're doing is you're saying, I'm taking part of my life. I'm taking a component of my life, and I'm going to let it resonate across those vocal cords, and I'm going to give God praise. And out of my life, I'm going to declare his power. I'm going to declare his promise. I'm going to declare his glory. And as I declare his glory, the, the place where I am, I'm going to fill this room with the sound of his praise. And you know what? You will watch things begin to shift. You will watch things begin to change. You launch that nuclear warhead up there. You know what? You can maintain things. You know, I, I, I won't put him on the spot, but I was talking to a brother yesterday, and he was telling me about the place that he works. And he would say, you know what? Every day when I walk into my building, I just begin to walk through and plead the blood of Jesus. He said, I walk down the hallways, and I plead the blood of Jesus. I walk, I, I turn the corner, I plead the blood of Jesus. I walk back to this room, I plead the blood of Jesus. He said, you know, we haven't had one case of COVID-19 at all. Blood of Jesus blood of Jesus. Come on, let's take a hold of the tools 
that God has given us. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So we've got we've to be those people that recognize that, that this is weaponry that God has given us. So song is a key to challenge darkness and declare truth. Song is a key to release what God desires to do. How many of you have had things in your life that maybe promises, maybe things that the Lord has whispered to you and it hasn't come to pass yet. So you're still living by faith for something. Thank God. Thank God. You have to have faith, but you also have to have patience. We're not lazy, but we are like those who, who through faith and patience inherit what is promised, the word said. I think it's Hebrews 6, right? And, uh, and so through faith and patience, we inherit what is promised. And so there are things that you're waiting for, but why don't you sing over it? Amen. That's right. Why don't you just say, Lord, you gave me this promise, God, and I'm still believing you, Lord. It's your power. It's your grace. Not by my works, oh God. And you just begin to sing over it. You just begin to declare. You're watering that promise with a song. You, you know, that, that seed has been planted in your heart, but you water it with a song. You keep your faith alive. There's just something about when we, when, when we bring the sacrifice of praise and we, uh, we declare it through the breath of our mouth and we declare it what it is that God wants to do, things come to pass. I love this passage in Ephesians 5. A lot of times when I get around creatives, this is, a, this, is a, this is a passage I'll share with them. I'll say something like this. Do you know, God's made you very, very sensitive to things. People that are creative are usually more sensitive about sound, about color, about, uh, about design. They, they see the, the, the correlations of things and they see the beauty of it there. And, uh, you know, I, I come up from a very utilitarian background. I was, you know, it didn't matter what it looked like as long as it worked. Doesn't matter what that car looks like, honey, as long as it drives. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter if you got five different colors of shingles on the roof as long as it don't leak. I mean, you know, uh, and so we had a lot of stuff that was ugly as a mud fence, as they used to say, you know, but it worked, you know, and, uh, <laughs> but, you know, but the, the older I get, the more I understand that the more things look determines how people feel. How things look determines how people feel. And, and so, you know, if, I, if you came in here and, and there was dirt all over the floor and there was leftover this and leftover that from, you know, I mean, this, this room gets a, like several makeovers a week just to do everything that happens with the verge and everything, all the different ways that it gets used. But you see it about the same way every Sunday morning. If it was cluttered, you would come in and you say, oh, and immediately you wouldn't feel good about coming to the house of God. Your attention would have been distracted by something. Well, creatives tend to be noticers. They tend to be really, really sensitive. And, and a lot of times I'll share with them, you know, the, the most powerful thing, most powerful thing that you can do for your cre creativity is to get filled with the Spirit. Because He is the ultimate creative being. And if you'll learn to live under the influence of the person of the Holy Spirit, the things that God will bring forth from your life won't have a shelf life. Amen. You know, a lot of music is popular for a season, but some songs keep on going. A lot of books are popular for a, for a season, but a lot of books just keep right on going. You know, why, what makes something a bestseller generation after generation after generation? There was a taproot into something that, uh, that was connected to eternity. And here's a passage in Ephesians 5, 18. Uh, 
It says, uh, well, I'll read 16. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Another passage talks about dissipation. And I'll, I'll break that down for you in a minute. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here is a contrast that the Apostle Paul uses between, uh, between alcohol, which is also known as spirits, uh, you know, alcohol and being under the influence of alcohol and under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, the, the, the point that Paul's making here is excess, you know, now I personally don't drink. I have personal reasons why I don't drink, but uh, but I, I don't have a problem if you have a beer or a glass of wine. Don't get uh, unnerved or freaked out about that. Now, if you get sloshed and you go doing stuff you ain't got no business being uh, doing, then let me tell you, I'm going to have a talk with you. Why? Because the Bible uh, warns us against drunkenness. Why? Because it, it, it lowers your filters. It breaks things down. And you know what? Drunk people start singing, don't they? And they don't care. They don't care how they sound. You know, I'll sit and listen to the radio, and if you're listening to country, probably every third song is about alcohol. Right? It won't take long. You, you'll be. I won't even go with any tunes. But you know. But okay. So what, what's what's the point of that? The point of that is that is that song oftentimes happens. You know, they want they want a drinking song. They want a song to sing while they drink, and usually it's about alcohol. It's about the spirit that they're involved with at that time. Let's elevate that spirit. Let's sing about it a little bit. Um, but what Paul is saying there, here, here's why this, is, why this is a challenge. I don't think God really has any problem. Hear me. This is the gospel according to Ken. The problem is not that, that you drank and you had a moment where you were inebriated and, got, and, and, and forgot about life. The, the problem is you would start to lean on that too much and pretty soon your money would go away. Pretty soon your relationships would go away. Pretty soon all the other things. The why, the why you had to get drunk is what the problem is. And God says, I want you to lean on me. Because if you lean on me, you'll get edified. If you lean on alcohol, you'll get dissipation, which is just the falling apart of the things that you had. You know, God says, I want to build you up. Alcohol wants to tear you down. Right? And, and so what he's saying here, instead of having that drinking song, why don't you get under the influence of the Holy Spirit and begin to lift up a song? And as you begin to lift up a song, let me tell you, you will find that God will flow through your lips the sounds of heaven. You will find that there's a song of deliverance that begins to be issued forth from your life. And you're like, man, after a while, I'm not just singing a song that somebody else wrote. I'm singing a song that the Holy Spirit inspired me to sing at that moment. When you and I look at Moses' song in Exodus 15, that was a moment that was inspired and caught into and, and, and brought into the Word of God so that the entire church for all eternity was going to know about that moment of God's deliverance. Well, God wants to deliver you too. And God wants to give you a song about it that's going to minister and resonate with people. A new sound. A sound that comes from your life because your life is a living epistle. God wants people to know him and, and understand him because of your life and the experiences that you have. Can I have the musicians come back just now? I, I want us, when we, when we think in terms of the key of song, 
Here's what's important for us to get a hold of from this. Is that this, this is a, a key to the kingdom that God wants to unlock some things in your life. The challenge for you is written down in the bottom there. And, and this is what I want to ask you to do. What would happen if you got up every morning and asked God what song he wanted you to sing to him? You know, the longer that I'm married, the more I, I look for creative ways to, to communicate my love for my wife. And I feel like sometimes I get, I bump up against, you know, my own limited vocabulary, my own broken routine, you know, that my, my, the rut of, you know, I might say I love you six times a day, and I don't mean it any less than I did the first time I ever said it to, you, to her over 31 years ago. But language can get dull, can it? Language can lose its edge. It's not any less meaningful, but if we don't find creative ways to say it in a fresh way, in a fresh way, then, then we lose the ability to communicate what we really mean. And this is why God's constantly raising up poets and prophets in the earth. Because, yeah, we've had the gospel for 2,000 years, but there's a new set of ears that need to hear it. And it's going to have to be communicated in a fresh way that causes people to go, oh, I don't think I've heard that before. So I kind of want to do that with my wife. Well, Jesus is the one you need to be singing a song to. Right? He redeemed you. You are his. Your body belongs to the Lord, not to you. And if your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit, if you got up and said, Lord, what song, what song can I sing for you today? What might that do to your walk with God? How might that bring you into a place of understanding and intimacy that maybe you hadn't had before lord i want i want you to hear my voice singing this song you know i i commend anybody in this room that's over 70 that can text good job good job but you know what kids and some of you are in your 70s and you still have parents around they they don't need to hear they don't need to see your text they need to hear your voice Pick up the phone and call, for goodness sake. Right? So, so here's the reality. Because what's happening when they hear my voice is they're hearing my feelings. And they're hearing the resonance. They're hearing a piece of my life. The sacrifice of communication that I'm having in that moment. And it's no different with the Lord. Yeah, it's good. You could text God. But why don't you sing him a song? Why don't you... Why don't you tell the Lord how you're feeling? Why don't you communicate uh, something from your heart to God? Every day, wake up and sing a song to the Lord. And watch what happens in your walk. Several years ago, I shared this with the 8 o'clock service. Uh, several years ago, Mark Lewis was here, and he's a worship violinist. And, you know, on a Sunday morning, he's playing, and it's beautiful. It's anointed. I mean, my goodness. He just, he plays that thing, and heaven opens up. It's just crazy. And, and Mark's playing away, and all of a sudden, one of the, one of the tuning pins pops, and, the, and that one string goes out of tune. And so he stops in the middle of the song, tightens it up, gets it back, and then just takes off again. And afterwards, I'm, I'm sitting at lunch with him, and Mark brings it up. He said, you know, I almost apologized to everybody when that tune went, when that string went out of, went out of tune. He's real, you know, thick, Sevierville, Tennessee accent. When that string went out of tune, I almost, I almost apologized. But then I remembered that I wasn't playing for them anyway.
It doesn't matter what you sound like. It's your voice. God wants to hear your voice. He wants to hear the sacrifice of your praise. He wants wants to be reminded of how and why he redeemed you. He wants you to, to begin to put voice to your thankfulness for how that God set you free. And, and you know, I love the psalm, right? It, it says, he, he, he lifted me out of the miry pit and he set my feet upon a rock and he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. God wants to hear from you. That's the key of song.